you know, you create bugs when you're a developer, which is fine. It's, nobody is like bugless. Uh, but uh, you learn that like the price that you pay when you make mistakes with people and uh, you learn two main things. The first, that um, people are not deterministic. They're not a function. You input the same parameter and they output the same the same behavior. No, you can input the same parameter and people behave different. And the, and the second thing is, yeah, that people still up to this date is like when people ask me, what what keeps you up at night? It's like, if I have the doubt that I was like, I uh, wasn't doing justice with someone or, you know, somebody feels bad because those are like the area, you know, when it, they didn't deserve it, those are like the, or I probably miscommunicated myself on what I meant. Those are like the area that still like, uh, uh, keep me up at night. So that, those are like the two lessons I learned really fast as a young manager. Hello and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast bringing you the making of stories of successful software developers to help you on your upcoming journey. I'm your host, Tim Bourguignon. On this episode, I receive Ori Keren. Ori got his first developer job in the year 2000 and eventually grew into leadership roles. He's now the CEO and co-founder at Linear B. As CEO, he doesn't get to write as much code as he used to, but he loves helping other dev leaders translate engineering activity to business success through data and metrics. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this today. Ori, welcome to Dev Journey. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. But before we come to your story, I want to thank the terrific listeners who support the show every month. You are keeping the Dev Journey lights up. If you would like to join this fine crew and help me spend more time on finding phenomenal guests than editing audio tracks, please go to our website, devjourney.info, and click on the support me on Patreon button. Even the smallest contributions are giant steps toward a sustainable dev journey. Journey? Thank you. And now, back to today's guest. So Ari, as you know, the show exists to help the listeners understand what your story looked like and imagine how to shape their own future. So as is customary on this show, let's go back to your beginnings. Where would you place the start of your dev journey? Uh, yeah, if I have to place the start of my dev journey... It's around the age of 13. Um, I had two, uh, I got a uh, Sinclair Spectrum, 48K. I keep bringing it up almost every time I speak. Uh, it's an old computer, but probably the best was ever manufactured. And my friend, my neighbor had it and I wanted it too. And um, it had great games. By the way, it took like the game, like one hour to load out of a tape. <laughs> Uh, but it was such an amazing experience. But then I discovered that on top of like uh, the games that you can play, you know, there was like uh, a tick attack, jetpacks, cool days, all this. Go search for these games. They're still amazing. But I also found a basic book, a book on how to program in basic. And my friend's brother, older brother, he he did this stuff and it looked like, it looked like magic to me. What do you mean? Like you input stuff into the computer, and then the computer does what you tell the what you tell them to do. Uh, so I started learning basic uh, on my own, uh, on top of playing games, and uh, I forced my sister, my poor sister, she's five years uh, younger than me, to play my crappy games that were really, really bad. 
but that, that uh, seeing seeing someone interacts with something I built as bad as it was, and that uh, that was kind of I think uh, uh, that was like where the seed was planted. That I know what I wanted to do. I also really enjoyed playing basketball at that time, so I had two hobbies. So I was like, oh, either I'm going to build things in computers or I'll be a basketball player. It didn't turn out uh, as much as I wanted in, with basketball. So uh, that's kind of like the beginning. I think everywhere I go, I remind myself still that the same desire or the same uh, narrative exists there. Like you build something. Okay, so now you build it. I build it at higher scale. We're a company. We have a product. But that's still what excites me when you build something and it helps people solve problems and they use it. And uh, I almost want to be a fly on the wall seeing what every, every user does with what we build. So that's where I would place my start as a developer. This is awesome. Did, did you realize that this could be um, not just a hobby, but really a life back then? No, like, you know, maybe if I would give a cliche answer, yeah, I knew, but I didn't know. I was 13. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did stuff with computers and I only came back to doing more things as a developer with them like uh, at the age of 22, 23 when I started doing something serious with computers like so uh, we can talk about that sure yeah so uh, I live in Israel I'm based in Tel Aviv and we all have to do mandatory army service <laughs> so usually like you know I finished my um army service and uh, it wasn't something er er around computers um, and I looked for my first job I didn't want to go to school yet so I went to work in a company it was early days of the internet in in, in, in the world and in Israel as well and I actually took my first job as a data entry job so you know how Google had uh, a crawler but be before Google Yahoo exists, and what Yahoo did was an index of websites. So humans would input websites. Oh, this website is about this and about that. They wrote like a, so I, I went to a company that I, I saw an ad and I went to a company that did that. Um, and it was a young company, you know, people were like working together, content people with data entry people like me. And there was the developers, they sit in that room and I came, hey, what, what are you building? Show me what you're... And they showed me those books. Uh, it was ASP, ASP.net, those. I said, hey, man, like, I even remember the syntax. I used to build stuff like that when I was uh, 13. And, uh, I got good friends with them. And once I finished my project, which which was like a three or four month project like to build the first index of website, I, I actually got my first job. It, they paid me... Not so good money at that phase, but I, they gave me a shot. Like I, I, I remember like what I did, like my, the first change that I put to production, and then you know I evolved there. Um, uh, I, I worked there for like um, eighteen months, but and then at that step I decided, okay, if I want this is if you ask me, hey, did I knew it, at that phase I knew, hey, this is what I want to do in my life, and I decided to go. And, you know, learn this in university, learn this properly. Uh, so that's like kind of my beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, before we get to, to university, etc. How, how did you convince this company to take you on not as a, as a data entry uh, person, but as a developer now? 
yeah, I think, you know, I did the data entry job and they gave me a book. I said, okay, go, go learn this book. Like, and I read it with such a, you know, uh, I think in two days I finished reading all the book. I said, okay, listen, I think I know what I need to do. Give me a shot. like to do one change. Uh, and they had like a small task that I, they, I think they managed their task in like Excel or something like that. Um, you know, it was, the, I even remember what it, what, what it was. It was the early days of the internet and live events in the internet was so rare. So this company was kind of like a web portal. So they did, there, there's a, I don't know, like a concert at 6 p.m. or something. And all the change, the change was like uh, when something was live, get like a blinking, I don't know, image that says live, the event is now. And I had to do, you know, write the if statement that if the event is now, I said, okay, let me try it. I tried it, put the change without a bug. I said, okay, nice job. And at the end, they said, do you want to stay here? We can't pay you a lot of money and do like, I, I, well, I convinced them, hey, you should, you should give me a job after, you know, after I go like, um, after I finished the project and then I became friends with them and they offered me the job. Uh, awesome. because they pay me not so good money and I was, you know, uh, in my early days, but, uh, after, after a couple of months, I was as good as them. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you are at the end of this, uh, of this phase of now developing inside this company and you're realizing, okay, I think I, I need some kind of formal training or formal er training. Um, what, what were the options and how did you choose in, in for going to university, as you said? Yeah, um, I did. I decided to do two changes. I, I said to myself, um, "This company, you know, I learned a lot here. I, you know, because I, I progressed so much. I was the same hunger, like to learn and learn more things and bring more things. There's other more. All of us were kind of like junior developers there, um, and I felt that I, I need to learn from people who practice this." as a profession, like, you know, they take this very seriously. Um, so I looked for a job in a company that, you know, uh, people who've been doing this for 10 years and I can learn from them. So that's one thing I did. The second thing I did, I went and looked for uh, um, a university track where I can continue to work all while learning. Mm. So instead of like the options were to go to some university and okay, do a pause for three years or something like that. But I found like, you know, a track that existed in Tel Aviv, the city I live back then that you can, you know, do two, two days, uh, um, uh, two full days a week. One of them is like Friday, which is an off day here. Like you work, the work here, week here is like Sunday to Thursday. So on mm -hmm. Friday, I went like to a lot of like, and a lot of like studying at night, a lot of studying on my own. And for four years, this is what I did. Like uh, kept like uh, working. Mm -hmm. kept like uh, learning. So that, that was what I was looking for, to find some somewhere where I can study and, you know, get the practical like uh, experience at the same time. Mm -hmm. did, did you know that this was um, better for your learning style or was it your curiosity saying, I don't want to be locked in a classroom somewhere. I want, I want to be hacking on the side. Is that, uh, did, did you know that? I think it's a combination of the fact that I was saying to myself, wait, I'm already working in this. It's going to be probably not the best move to go in, to pause, you know, for three or four years and to come back. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I don't mm -hmm. want to stop it. 
And also, yeah, spot on. This is my um, lear learning style is uh, very autodidact. So I got I want to learn a lot of things on my own. Um, so it's like, I think it struck the right balance between like not just staying on the practical level, kind of understanding data structures, algorithms, all the things that they teach you at the university, but stay close to the ground and see mm. what, what do I do with it on a day to day. Yeah, so it, it felt really a balanced approach uh, where in, in it. I, I keep saying to people, this is my journey. It could be, you know, wrong for, or not the right one for everyone because everybody comes from different backgrounds. And, but that was like, felt like the perfect, like next step for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm asking. It's really, uh, you have to find out what is right for you and uh, what, what's your learning style and then what kind of, of uh, counterpart you need. Do you need uh, teachers uh, showing you theory? Do you need practical side? Do you need both alternating? Do you need to, to make your mistakes and then come back to understand the theory? And we're all different. We all need uh, different things. So, so, so where did you work during that time? At the same company or, or did you find a different job? No, I, f I found a different company. I took like, uh, I told them, hey, I, I need a job where I can work four days a week and not five. Because mm -hmm. one of the days I'm going to go to university and I'm going to do everything else on, on my time. Um, this was a great company. The company name was uh, Interwise. And what we, the company did, they built like an um, e-learning solution. You know, over the, the internet, there was like an instructor, like a professor or somebody that's speaking. And a lot of people who are listening and seeing video. And, and this is, I'm talking 2001, 2002. Uh, where the internet was like uh, not not working, um, and, and this was a great lesson. Like everything, uh, they built everything. Well, today if somebody would do it, it's probably not that smart. But they built everything from scratch. Everything like the the protocol that ran the voice packets, the video, the, the screen capture it was sort of like a, you know an app like Zoom of today, but twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were very smart people there that kind of like uh, I learned so much from them on how you know get organized in, in, in how you work how you test swing how you uh, think about uh, the big picture in terms of architecture so I learned a lot from I owe a lot like to that company I learned a lot from them uh, uh, while studying and it was so funny I remember everything I studied I wanted to come to the work and implement. I, I, you know, I, I remember <laughs> studying, you know, in C++, you study linked lists, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the data structure. I just found an excuse to push it into the software somehow. It was absolutely not needed. It worked, but you could probably implement it in a much more simpler way. But, uh, but, but yeah, that back and forth, like, you know, Until you develop a little bit, you understand, okay, now I have all these tools in my tool belt. I'm going to use what I need. Uh, but this was like really, really exciting times. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, was it the right, um, the right medium for you to learn? Was it what you expected and, and the right playground and impulse at the same time to, to grow uh, as, you, as you wanted? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, by the way, if it was happening, uh, if I went through the same journey, let's say I was born 20 years later, I going through the same journey now, I think I would make a different choice because um, the availability of all the resources to learn on your own, 
um, uh, weren't as available as they are right now. But there's also an advantage. Advantages I learned so much about. Like I think, I think there's a practical knowledge of how how to program in a specific language. Yeah, you don't need like a university for that. You don't need like. A, but there's like a, how to think to think about things. You know, in a broad way around data structure about O for N, O for you know uh, uh, all these algorithms and how much time it will take them to run. Even you're not implementing it on the day-to-day, but it puts this logic that's embedded, it gets into your bloodstream, into your DNA, mm-hmm. uh, on how to think about problems that uh, I would never get from uh, a different place. Now, if it's needed for developers today, that's a different question and a very interesting <laughs> question. It is. Uh, but I, I think I think I was lucky because I, I, I keep talking to people who are kind of like in my generation that were kind of like the last generation that had the privilege to develop throughout all the stack. You know, I wrote in assembly. Mm-hmm. I wrote in like C++. Like, you know, so you see different things in different systems, like, you know, memory overrun. I, I don't know if a lot of people know what it is right now if the, in, if we, in the software developer and, of course, in embedded and all that people do. Uh, so... Yeah, it was the right decision for for not, for that time. If it was happening now, I would probably be you know more impatient and say, okay, let me go, let me start work somewhere, let me make the, <laughs> let me make money, <laughs> let me build something, as you said yeah. in the beginning. Um, yeah. um, but I, I want to drill down in 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 this, uh, not not leave it hanging like this. Um, do you think? Nowadays, um, we're, we're missing something by not teaching um, the younger generations um, the stack from the ground up and really going through the moves of, uh, of the, as you say, the uh, the small O, big O, and uh, and how it was to really manage memory and manage performance from the from the ground up. Yeah, it's a great question. I think. Um, well, I, first, I don't. I'm not sure what's like. I didn't see like. Uh, a program of what their the students are being taught right mm-hmm. now. So may, maybe they, they still go through all of this. I don't know, like if you go to like university, I can, but I can see that from the people we're hiring, some of them go through that journey. Some of them, um, you know, didn't go to study and they, they just come with a lot of practical experience. Um, I do think there's a big importance to like learn like a little bit of history of algorithms and the involvement of, of things. It gives you a lot of like a, you know, big picture, like kind of understanding. Uh, I don't know if specifically manage memory is the right thing, like again, but uh, yeah, I, I see a lot of importance to do some kind of theoretical learning that will give you foundations, but, but it's not mandatory. Some people, are amazing uh, developers and amazing engineers without it. Mm-hmm. And with some people I can see, you know, how they're lacking uh, it. So um, it all depends. Yeah, I think, uh, like I told you, I believe that everybody has their own journey. There's like a lot of curious people that never went like to sit in a university, there, but learn how to program and kind of understand, wait, you know what? I need to go to some basic. Let me understand like the, the OSI, like the network layers. Let me understand what... So uh, it all depends on the, on the individual. Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback on the on the word curious that you said because I've been struggling with the same question. I I, I went through a traditional uh, a university uh, a curriculum. I had 
everything built from the ground up. Um, I barely touched assembly, but 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 still I touched assembly, and so um, I, I had this all. And I realized it's not the case anymore. And and should I be gatekeeping as an old man saying, "Hey, you have to do it my way," um, or not? And the the answer is obviously not. But I, I was I was searching for what was important to me, and and I think I pinpointed a few few years ago. It's really a curiosity. But when I see somebody who who is not afraid of saying, "Hey, there's something I don't know here," and 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 peek under the cover. Uh, go one level de- le- level deeper and say, okay, I want to understand what, what's what's going on down there. It might not be assembly yet, but at least it's getting down a little bit, and that's um, the the variable I've been looking for uh, in in my recruitments in in the people that I, I look for, um, because this seems to be a trend in in becoming great at what you do. Uh, so that's my answer to that. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think like. Um Curiosity is really, really important. Some of like, you know, you could you could probably solve some problems with, well, the original way is to go search for it in the internet. Now you have like uh, Gen AI that you can mm-hmm. do stuff with, but so you can find answers quickly, but I think to be uh, the best at what you do, you gotta also like, yeah, get this curiosity. Um, like exactly like you said, like, uh, well, I wanna understand how these things work. Uh, the deeper level so let's dig a little bit deeper and then yeah it's also okay to get into this you go into a rabbit hole of interesting things that you discover around memory and like this thing that's in allow yourself to go there it's fine like to, mm-hmm. to, to go after your curiosity uh yeah if you do this all the time it's not good you should also probably focus on on the task but allow yourself every now and then to go into those journeys like to learn like uh, new things even if they don't serve what you do on a daily basis, I think uh, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, a former guest on the show uh, coined it this way back then. He says, um, uh, "Go deep when you can, um, and go broad. Go, go broad when you must." And he was really saying, "Your company is going to sh- uh, push you into going broader, into learning more, but in a less deeper extent. So whenever you can, go deep, because the time you will have on your hand at that time, at that point, you will never get." Uh, to, to, to go deep on your on your company time. And that's kind of why I, I've been trying to see things this way since, and it's uh, it's helped a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a very smart uh, way to look at it. Um, so uh, when, you, when you were describing this, uh, this, uh, this uh, first, or this job you did in, in alternating between university and this job, you started describing a bit um, learning how things work on the technical side, but also on the people side, on the, uh, on the organizational side, on the quality side, etc. Um, when, when did this, this passion, I, I, I will dare call it passion, um, for organizing people and, and making an assemble work together uh, a start really emerging into your story. Yeah. So in that company, I, I actually worked there for a lot of time, like nine years, which is very rare in our industry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, and you know, I think I was a good, I think I was a good developer. And then they usually what companies do when you're a good developer, they say, Hey, you should be a team leader because like we're growing, you know, and I actually refused it like I think for three years uh, because I wanted to go uh, learn other languages, work in, get my experience in other things. Yeah, I can say again, you know, when I look at it, you know, from now, that was the smart thing, but 
honestly, it wasn't from like uh, uh, looking about on my career and my next. I just really enjoyed it and said, I'm, I'm still going to have enough time like to be a manager. So I wrote in every language that was out there and I moved to this team to do. I, I, I moved around around technologies, etc. At one point, I think that uh, the uh, passion in me to make a greater impact on where I work was stronger than the passion to learn a new technology. Mm-hmm. I think I really identified weight. Like I, I kind of identifying myself, help going and helping people and helping them like be better and mentoring, etc. And I said, wait, why am I doing it? I told myself that I'm enjoying sitting with myself, listening to music and programming. But yeah, I like, oh no, I actually enjoy like helping people because I like help people. And also, yeah, I want my company to succeed. I want like to make bigger impact. That was the point that I kind of identified, okay, like I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to accept being a team leader. And by the way, I learned a lesson about timing in life because there was an opening, an opening, an opening, and then there wasn't. <laughs> oh, and they say, we don't have a role for you as a team leader now. And then I was impatient. But, but uh, at the end, they, they found me like a job as a team leader. Uh, but that, that was the point where I said, yeah, like, you know, I think every young team leader, when you start, you kind of say, I, the higher management, they don't know how things should run. I know because I'm still a developer. So, that, yeah, I live with my people. I know how it should be run. You guys probably are, are doing it wrong. Too much bureaucracy. Can run my team. We, I, I started with that. That was what, what's driving me. Um, and uh, yeah, that was the first point in time I, I became like a team leader. I had like a great team of three people. Um, I, made, I made so much mistakes, so many mistakes as like a manager. <laughs> is that, I think I, I think you know you create bugs when you're a developer, which is fine. It's, nobody is like bugless. Uh, but uh, you learn that like the price that you pay when you make mistakes with people and uh, you learn two main things the first that um, people are not deterministic they're not a function you input the same parameter and they output the same the same behavior no you can input the same parameter and people behave different Mm -hmm. Um, and the second thing is yeah that people Still, up to this date, it's like when people ask me, what, what keeps you up at night? It's like, if I had the doubt that I was like, uh, wasn't doing justice with someone or, you know, somebody feels bad because those are like the area, you know, when it, they didn't deserve it, those are like the, or I probably miscommunicated myself on what I meant. Those are like the area that still like uh, uh, keep me up at night. So that, those are like the two lessons I learned mm-hmm. really fast as a young manager. I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's this the saying again uh, that uh, uh, people don't leave companies; they leave bad managers. And yeah. uh, well, that, I wasn't a bad manager. I left oh, from sorry. Like a mistake. I was. I was authentic. I told them when I was wrong. Uh, but uh, it's just do mistakes yeah. when you're doing something new. Yeah, no, but that, uh, I was uh, I was piggybacking on the uh, on the bugs thing. Uh, indeed, when you're a manager, you don't create bugs, but what you create is, is resentment, is is people wanting to leave at some point if you do enough of a bad job uh, at it, and that that 
that has been keeping me up at night as well, saying, okay, uh, how do I prevent this? Uh, and, uh, it's funny that you describe your story this way, because that's it's kind of the way I describe mine as well, uh, really fighting against it for a while and, and finally accepting this and then going at it with... Um, a lot of um, of preconceived idea of how it's going to go and, and how to do a, a great job and really think, okay, is, is this the case now? Uh, I've been fighting against this and not looking in this direction, uh, obviously trying to not look at it <laughs> and, and now embrace it. And that was really scary at first. So, yeah. Yeah. so how, how fast did that grow from this team of three? Um, did you try to keep it low for a while? How did, how did you manage it? Yeah, it grew fast. Like I was, uh, I had a team of three, I think, in like uh, the first year or two, like it grew five, six. And the company, you know, was very, the company was successful and it, it grew more. And I, do, I think very fast, I was like, uh, I think after two years, I was like uh, running like a team of teams, like team, team lead, some of my people became team leaders. Um, that I had to like start, uh, you know, coaching and guiding what it is to be. So I was sort of like a director and like 20 people, um, at, 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 you know, that I was running. Um, and, uh, that was different kind of fun. Once you're a little, a little bit more experienced that you have like, uh, kind of know what you're doing as a team leader. So start coaching people that, um, how, how to become a team leader, what, what kind of, kind of mistakes. I think, by the way, one of the most important things is like allowing like a, where's the sandbox where people can make mistakes and just directing them to that. And where are areas where you, you're saying, no, okay, I hear you and we're not going to agree, but here it's very crucial to what we do. So uh, we didn't convince each other. And since I'm in charge, we got to go with my decision. But in 90% of the time, it's fine. I'll give you like full autonomy to do so just just being very explicit about it and respectful and just expressing it and saying it, I think that, that, that at least for me, it, it proved itself a lot of time. No, not everybody accepted. At some point they say, why did you decide? To? Somebody has to decide and we're not going to stand in the middle, you know, and just not do everything. This uh, analysis paralysis like pattern that, that can happen. And again, I'm going to let you convince my, me and even if not, you're going to make the call in 90% of that. But that 10% where you're going to choose an architecture that doesn't match what we're trying to do. And I see you, you know, driving yourself into a wall. Yeah, that's my responsibility to stop you there. So just, I think that I enjoyed a lot, like training people on like allowing like a space to make mistakes. We all make mistakes and, but try to, to uh, give that space in area wh which are less harmful, etc., which is not not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. What's your heuristic in um, um, uh, measuring? Um, is it still the time to coach this person into um, um, reflecting on this decision and maybe come to terms with the, there might be a better way? And saying no, there's no time to 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 coach it anymore. I need to interject. I need to to stop the process, uh, which you uh, probably you mean want when to do I, as little as possible. You mean when I have somebody like when we think different, etc. And mm -hmm. then, yeah. Uh, first of all, it depends on like uh, again the, the criticality of the decision. If it's like uh, you know a design of something that. Um, in my opinion, it's going to be a mistake, but it's fine to uh, make the, help them like 
go through the phases of making the mistake and fixing on own because you can't just like teach from this top down. You can just like people need to experience their pain on their own. It's like uh, I, I don't always like this analogy, but with kids, it's the same. Like they got you got to fall. Like they got you know, but uh, um, so. But yeah, when it's like something crowding onto the business, um, mm-hmm. then uh, again, like uh, I remember times where we we need to choose a new architecture, um, and I thought that something that was chosen was the wrong one, and it's going to lead us to we're going to work for six months to discover that it was the wrong one, and then uh, revert. Uh, that those are like the places uh, um, where. Well, I, I, I would try to jump in and involve. Now, there's a, and in the United States, you ask about that or also about like the, hey, let's try to convince each other because I, I hate like pulling the card of this and like, I, I almost not do it. And when, but at, at one point, if we argued for like four or five, you know, times and we weren't able to convince, by the way, a lot of time people are convincing me. I'll tell you why I think it's, and I got convinced. But if we weren't and we need to make a decision, so listen, like, sorry, but I got to make a decision and we're moving mm-hmm. on. And it's, it's hard for sometimes for people to accept it, but you, that's how you do, that's how you manage. Yeah, I, uh, I I totally feel you. We we in the company I work for right right now, we really created very autonomous teams, and and we really try to to give them as much autonomy as they can. And and once in a while, it happens rarely, but once in a while, we have really to to put a stop to something and say, hey, no, we think it's not right. And it always felt like like a failure from our end to to come to this and say, hey, how did we let this uh, happen that we had to step in? And and I haven't found the the way to not have this happening once in a while. Um, probably it's 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 life. It's, it's how it is. But but I still don't accept that. I I want to be better at this and 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 be able to give people information and enough coaching and enough guidance beforehand so that the right uh, decision come up, even if it's not my decision or what I would um, initially have supported. But at least that we come to an understanding without having to pull this card. And but still doesn't feel right. So. I'm trying to get insights from you from my own life, but uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, mistakes happen all the time. It's like, uh, and I, I was actually in a town hall meeting yesterday with my company and spoke with everybody and were uh, experiencing like very impressive growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told, I read this thing and I, I had to quote for them two things. One is that Everybody likes to speak about uh, growth in uh, past tense. It's so romantic. Look how we grew. And, and the line looks very, like, you know, nice and clean, like, you know, uh, growing. But while you're in it, it feels with so much pain, like you're, you feel all over the place. There's one thing. And the second thing I told them is, like, that uh, every time people are stretching themselves out of their comfort zone, uh, this is what I admire the most in people in the company. And I'm going to tell them, first time you do it, you're probably going to fail. You're probably going to make a mistake. That's how it, that's how it happens. So, um, yeah, failures are there. Like it's part of our, our like, uh, word. And, uh, and, you know, my kid is playing basketball and he's like, uh, 
when he loses, he's so passionate about like losing. Yo, he's, he's like, he can't talk to him. And so I know I can't talk to him in the first hour, but after an hour, I got to come in and say that you learn much more from this by than from winning. Like if you win on this time, you want to prove this. Like, okay, learn from this. You do indeed. You do indeed. I really like that reminding people that uh, that stretching out of their comfort zone really brings uh, a risk of failing, and that it's okay. It's yes. really powerful to really uh, formulate this way and, and have it uh, in everybody's mind when, when they're doing something. That's cool. Um, so yeah. now you went from from a developer to manager to manager of teams. And now you're at a company even two, three degrees up. How, how did that um, feel evolving uh, on, into this position? Yeah, so I had one more, uh, I would say, uh, interesting uh, uh, point in station, like in a way where I worked in a company that uh, I wasn't one of the founders, but uh, very early on, I was brought in as a, Uh, VP of R&D, and this is actually where I enjoyed because this is where I, um, you know, build organizations kind of like from the first days, and it grew. Uh, this is where I met my co-founder now in Linear B. His name is Dan Lines. Um, he was, we had two teams, one in Tel Aviv, one in Boston, and he was like running the Boston team, and we worked so much together. Like he was reporting to me, then I kind of moved it to another role and I, I needed more stuff. We worked in a lot of permutations, so became like uh, very good friends. But in, uh, in that company, Cloudwork is where I, I learned, uh, I think, um, very important lessons on how you build a team at scale from, you know, and, and also going through a lot of pain, a lot of pain when you reach like 50, 60 people, what happens there and what happens to your culture and how you need to maintain it, etc. But I think this is like the time that I also was kind of like looking on the other side of like um, R&D and engineering is a, a very important component. You, you got to get it right to have a strong company, a strong tech company, but it's just the first step. There's so many things that need to happen later. And I, I became curious to all of them. And I, the, you know, reps, the sales reps were starting to pull me into meetings you know, okay, okay, this is a customer. The customer, sometimes if they buy the product, yes or no, it's like, uh, doesn't relate to the amazing, I felt like 99% of the, the, their decision-making is based on our product. Well, the answer is no. There's like sales processes and how they run and procurement and like, but that was like the phase where I kind of like started looking um, uh, and the role of R&D in, in an organization. And what do you, and, and, and the amazing part, a strong technology could play in like building a strong business. Um, th so that was like the one step. We were, that company was acquired. Uh, it was acquired by a big company. By, uh, uh, and um, yeah, so I stayed for, uh, uh, I don't know, 16, 18 more months. And at that point, I said, Uh, yeah, I'm ready to do something on my own. And it was very, by the way, natural. Like if somebody said, hey, let's, op op let's open like a, you know, restaurant tech company. I said, okay, I don't know anything about restaurants. Or somebody would say, uh, let's open, 
uh, I don't know, something around uh, uh, health care, you know, I don't know anything about that. But how to develop software and all the problems that exist as a developer and then as a team leader and as a, I, this is what I've done for 20 years. So it was so natural for me to start a company that helps with specifically with those things, um, with like how, how, you know, to improve like the engineering efficiency and reduce the toil and measure the productivity and align yourself better with, uh, to the business. So uh, those were kind of the steps before starting my own thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what Linear B became. Yeah, Linear B is a software delivery management platform. This is how we call ourselves. Um, we, um, it's a cat, it's like inside a category of, of, uh, tools that help you like track everything that and measure everything that's happening to you, um, from code being written until code reaches production, for example, which is super interesting. That's still one of my, my most, uh, the metrics that I love the most, what, what happens? Like, where is it stuck? Is it stuck because you're waiting for a review and you don't have like a good review process or policy? Is it stuck because, um, you know, see the DevOps team and the engineering team don't talk a lot. So things get merged. They're in the main trunk or something like that, but then they release it every, I don't know, it's not coordinated. Is it stuck because it reaches production, but it's not strong, like, feature flag or whatever policy to enable the, the, the thing. So I believe that what people are writing should be out in production in the same day. Mm. If you break it into small chunks. So a lot of my passion and my is like to make companies go move to work like that. Uh, but then you be, yeah, we help track it, measure it. Um, we provide a strong analytics around it. Uh, we also you know, now do, we took it to two other directions. We focus on, uh, both the high level, the fin ops side of engineering, which is important to align the engineering better to the business. But also, um, I said to myself, listen, if I was a developer, like, and, and I'm now coming in as, you know, as a, in a company that helps track. So first of all, if I was a developer, I'd say, Hey, you don't need to measure anything that I'm doing. Like, what do you mean? Like measuring? And that's like a vanity, and I'm saying about myself as a developer, that only preserved to us. All other aspect of the company is measuring themselves, and we're the last ones that say, no, no, it's an art, we can measure it. So it took, it took me some time like, to, to, but I connected to my developer for 15 years ago. I would say the same thing. But then I think, um, and then maybe we told ourselves, listen, we got to give something that developers can understand why data on where things are stuck would help them. So we built this amazing product called the uh, component called Gitstream, where you can code rules that say, well, you know, if the change is only a static file or a test or something, we don't need like the two reviewers policy that we have. So you can basically, the, de the developer or developer experience, you can write rules on how to merge things faster or, or to increase the eyes, set of eyes you want on a specific change and classify changes and, and then make sure they go through different passes until they reach production. Uh, and this is a part that I'm really proud of it because it connects to all the journeys that I've, all the journey that I've been through um, mm -hmm. and to give something that developers can enjoy because all of a sudden I'm issuing a PR 
it's approved in two seconds because the the system automatically approved it. And uh, that's like the the moments that I, I really enjoy. This is awesome. And for the listeners who couldn't see your face while you were describing this, you had a big smile on your face and you were moving a lot, really speaking from the heart. So uh, that, that, that's really cool. Thank you. Um, is, is there a, um, so you spoke about culture for, uh, for, for a minute and saying when, when you scale, it's hard to, to keep the culture uh, in check. Um, is there an advice that you give newcomers in your, in the, in your, in your uh, company? Um, I'm, I'm, I suppose you meet many of them, if not all of them, uh, an advice that comes again and again and say, hey, um, now you're onboarding with us. This is the one thing I would like you to know. Yeah, we had, uh, well, at the company level, you know, then uh, my partner and I, we, when we started the company, we, we told ourselves we're not going to be the same, the company with the same four or five values. You know, every tech company that I've worked for, they had four or five values and they're all the same. Uh, People first, customer obsession. You can't invent this. Like I've been in five <laughs> companies and they all had, so we said behavior. What are the behaviors that are foundational? and what are the behaviors that are exceptional? And we chose like, we try to keep it lean, like three categories. Uh, one of the categories is work-life balance. They, you know, it took me some time to understand the importance of this. It's very important. So foundational behavior would be Just, you know, take care of yourself, decide on a program, how you, and exceptional is like, if you start a running group or yoga or something and you make other people in the company, to, that's foundational because you don't just care about your work life balance, you build something big. But yeah, the, the advice is like, I, I, so I like the, a lot of those behaviors. Um, I always like to, to say to people who are joining, uh, to, you know, to, ask questions if the question seems uh, stupid to you it's not it's just other people are afraid to ask uh ask questions get all the context that you need like uh, uh, to do be bold if you see something that is like broken tell hey this is broken maybe it's not maybe we, you can talk and it's not as broken as you thought so i like it when people are challenging That's like uh, challenging even the strategy of the company and asking, why are we doing this? And um, that's the behavior that I like. And then I, the other thing to balance it is like, no work is underneath you. That's one of our principles. We finished eating, I don't know, lunch, and we need to clean the table. Yeah, I'm going to first be the first one to take something and clean the table just because of the whatever title I have. So no work is underneath you. And if I, if I need to do data entry, Like, you remember the data entry? If I need to do it again now for the next hour, just because I have a C in my title, I'm going to do data entry. It's fine. So there's no work that's underneath there. If you stay with those two principles, I think you'll be successful. So, um, Ori, where would be the best place to find you online and uh, start a discussion with you? So first of all, yeah, I'm happy to discuss. Me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's the best place. Um, and also on Twitter. I'm... Uh, And the company, Linear B, you can find, you can go to linearb.io and try, you know, uh, our product for free. Uh, either like the main one or Gitstream that I just spoke about. Um, yeah, those are the best places. Fantastic. Anything else you want to plug in? Uh, no, that I really enjoyed it. And uh, one is, maybe one last advice, everybody has their own journey. Just find what, what's your own and be successful <laughs> at it. 
Indeed, indeed. Ori, thank you so much. It's been a blast listening to your story. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you again. I really enjoyed it. Thank you also. And this has been another episode of The Bus Journey. And we'll see each other next week. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed this week's episode. If you like the show, please share, rate, and review. It helps more listeners discover those stories. You can find the links to all the platforms the show appears on on our website, devjourney.info slash subscribe. Creating the show every week takes a lot of time, energy, and of course money. Would you please help me continue bringing out those inspiring stories every week by pledging a small monthly donation? You'll find our Patreon link at devjourney.info slash donate. And finally, don't hesitate to reach out and tell me how this week's story is shaping your future. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Timothep, T-I-M-O-T-H-E-P, or per email, info at devjourney.info. Talk to you soon.